This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and today I'm joined by Katie Bulls and James Johnson, co-founder of polling firm JL Partners. Katie, we had PMQs this afternoon. Tell us what happened. So I think this is always going to be a difficult Prime Minister's question for Rishi Sunak because of the ongoing Nadim Zahawi story. In the sense, I think there's phrase we use a lot, but growing unease amongst Tory MPs when it comes to uh, the fact this issue has not been dealt with. And I think probably the the, the move that would have uh, spared Rishi Sunak the most blushes or, or made things easier for him would have been if there'd been a resignation this morning from Nadim Zahawi or, you know, Downing Street saying he had left government. Instead, you have a situation where because uh, Rishi Sunak has said it's going to go to the independent ethics advisor, we expect this to run. I don't think run for months. For example, I understand Downing Street partly because it's just politically painful, want this to be resolved quite quickly. But you would expect that to be at least a week, maybe longer. We could still get a few more Prime Minister's questions on this potentially. Lucky Rishi Sunak. And therefore it meant that Keir Starmer and also the SNP were able to really go in the attack saying, well, not just what did you know and when, why did last week you say that this was case closed, but now you have this investigation. But also I think that regular Labour attack line we now hear, which is, you are weak Prime Minister. And Keir Starmer really went for that again. And in response, uh, Rishi Sunak went to, I think, his own favourite tactic, which is to say, but you served under Jeremy Corbyn. Don't you forget that? And we had that in his final comments, basically saying, well, I I am someone who has principles, Rishi Sunak said, because when I disagreed with uh, my leader at the time, Boris Johnson, I resigned. You served in Jeremy Corbyn's government and you never resigned. And... I think as an attack line, I I think the problem is even quite loyal Tory MPs question how much sting the Jeremy Corbyn attacks still have. It'd be interesting what James says on that. And it it was therefore just another, I think, fairly painful round for Rishi Sunak. And the longer the Nadim Zahari conversation goes on, just the more you have Tory sleaze uh, in the news, which is never a particularly comfortable place to be. James, what do you make of Rishi Sunak's Jeremy Corbyn retort to... Starmer this afternoon. Well, I think it, I think there's something in it, which is that one of the concerns that voters have about Keir Starmer is this sense that he's not necessarily a man of conviction, that he's not got a plan, that he doesn't sort of have this strong sense of self-belief. And part of that doubt is why Keir Starmer is going so hard on calling Rishi Sunak weak, because he wants to try and flip that perception amongst voters. The Corbyn attack lends into that feeling of Starmer that's out there, this sense that, is this a guy who really stands up for what he believes in? Is this a guy who's really telling us the truth, or is he just doing what's right to get elected? Um, so I can see how Rishi Sunet and Number 10 landed on that. The bit of their attack that was most powerful, though, was actually saying, I stand by my principles, Keir Starmer doesn't. And that is where there is an opening with the public. A very narrow opening, There's make no doubt about it. Make no doubt about it, Rishi Sunak is in the weaker territory here. But there is this feeling of, of Keir Starmer, perhaps, really since the form since the pandemic, that he will say what's expedient rather than what's right. In my focus groups, people when you're talking about Keir Starmer, people sometimes look around the room and they say, he gets his ideas from conversations like this, doesn't he? So when the focus group respondents become self-aware, that's usually a bit of a problem for, for the politician. They are the power behind Keir Starmer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they've called him out on it. <laughs> Katie, Nadim Zahari still hasn't confirmed how much his penalty came to or that what that final settlement with HMRC 
came to either. Where's the row going to go from here? Is it just going to be bickering between Starmer and Sunak or is there something more on the horizon? So I think we probably just have quite a painful like 10 days of Labour going in attack, saying Rishi Sunak's weak, Rishi Sunak saying there's an independent ethics advisor, you told me to get one Keir Starmer and let him do his job, but probably not too much light. I think obviously what could speed things up if there's a new story in the media or if Nadim Zahari decides that he's just going to go before this is complete. But famous last words, right now I think that seems the less likely option. And therefore, it's just waiting for the outcome. It does feel from the language that we're getting as low, the increasing sense that the writing is on the wall for Nadim Zahawi and at PMQs, the fact that Rishi Sunak was very keen to say, well, I said it was fine, but I didn't actually know about this penalty. New information has come to light. It feels as though if you and Nadim Zahawi listening to that, it does not feel as though you have the full support of number 10 anymore. And obviously it's partly because there's an independent process, but the language is definitely moving, I think, to the point that you can easily see um, him leaving his role as party chairman, you know, relatively soon. So, so I think there is a sense of that. And therefore the question is more, because you're hearing a little bit more from Tory MPs saying, why are we letting this drag on? If you, if you think this person's done wrong and a penalty is not something that we can have a cabinet minister having paid, particularly when he served as chancellor, be it under Boris Johnson, why drag this out for two weeks? And, and I think Labour are going to try and make hay with that. James, how much do you think getting rid of Nadim Zahawi would help? Or is it perhaps a general sense that this is a new era of Tory sleaze. There's obviously a separate scandal about Boris Johnson and Richard Sharp that's kind of unravelling at the moment. Is getting rid of Zahawi enough to stop this? Well, I think to the public, this last few days has felt a little bit like those worst days of the Boris Johnson premiership. Actually, earlier, towards the end of last year, when there were stories out about Dominic Raab, about Gavin Williamson, those things had a big impact in Westminster, but actually I didn't really see them cutting through amongst the public. Um, They weren't, you know, following the ins and outs of those things, and they didn't resonate. That is not the case with the Nadim Zawahi thing. And I think because it's about taxes, um, because it's about perceived fairness, um, there is a lot of frustration amongst the public on this issue. And I think that it is cutting through to views of Rishi Sunak. Now, I think probably if we were you know, having this chat a couple of days ago, I'd probably be saying he needs to act as soon as possible and and stop this. Yes, there's an independent process, but also uh, sometimes political reality just has to take over when you're in that kind of position. I think now that it's pretty clear that Rishi Sunak is not going to do that and he's going to follow this this process, then the best he can sort of do now is 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 say he's following the process and then make a decision once the once the outcome comes out. But uh, there's absolutely no doubt this has been a damaging week for the Conservatives and uh, to Rishi Sunak's personal brand. It's not terminal, but I suppose as Katie alluded to there, you know, if we're working on the precept that. This is this is not going to be a man who is in who is chairman of the Conservative Party in a general election campaign where he is, would have it thrown at him every single day. Then why wait? Yeah, I had one government advisor say to me, you know, it's barnacle, just get it off the boat. No one's going to be talking about it in the next election. But I think it, it comes down to a Rishi Sunak problem in the sense that when James compares this to that feeling, I think, you know, the scandal-ridden final days of Boris Johnson, there's a sense of deja vu amongst MPs this week about that. And I think with Rishi Sunak, because he spoke about integrity when he gave that speech, that there was a hope, you know, this is turning the page and all the soap opera of the Boris Johnson era. And then I just think probably you'd say the the chaos of the Liz Truss era, that this would be karma. And I've had MPs actually really note that who aren't natural Rishi Sunak supporters. I think, you know, a week and a half ago, I had one say, 
what everyone likes is there's more stories and policy now than process. And this week we've just gone completely back to that. And therefore, Rishi Sunak, yes, he didn't wear a seatbelt, but seeing this much more squeaky clean guy was supposed to be the way you do that. But I think what we're seeing is there's just so much baggage in a Tory party that's been in government for so long, but particularly under the previous leaders, it's quite hard to turn the page. And there's other things coming up here. So I don't know, James, what you think on, for example, we are going to have the Privileges Committee soon, which is televised questions on Partygate. And there's some polling that suggests that Partygate is no longer such a live issue, particularly for Boris Johnson. But if you have all these, uh, you know, people giving evidence and people watching it, that dredges up a really painful chapter for the Tory party. Um, you've got the Dominic Ryan investigation is going to return at some point now that those were you know allegations around bullying which might have had the same potency but if they all come together and this will we even get onto Boris Johnson's resignation on his list which I think has the potential to also be a headache they all come together and it means I think it could be quite hard to then differentiate this what's supposed to be a new era of the you know the Tories getting serious um from from the past few months and, and you know, Rishi Sunak is still introducing himself to the public so these kind of things actually have a bad impact what I have picked up in the focus groups is that actually very few people really care about the seatbelt situation very few people care about the private health uh, situation which was an argument like last week over whether Rishi Sunak uh, has ever used private health care but the Nadim Zawahi thing has has really touched at that that issue at a time when Rishi Sunak, as I say, is still introducing himself. We talked about Corbyn and his impact on Keir Starmer. I think you know, there is there is a conservative Corbyn too in Boris Johnson, and his sort of presence, both in these news stories over the last weekend about the uh, appointment of uh, the BBC chairman Richard Sharp, as well as uh, uh, the ongoing Privileges Committee situation, as Katie says is going to carry on plaguing the Conservative Party. And it's a lot harder for Rishi Sunak to do what Keir Starmer did. He can't just go and take the whip away from Boris Johnson because of uh, the Conservative Parliamentary Party and Boris's base in it. So that is going to be uh, something that continues to sort of lurk behind the scenes. The Prime Minister can say, as he did at PMQs today, I resigned from that government and therefore Mm. I don't agree with it. But as Katie says rolling video footage there are going to be there's going to be plenty of questions asked of the prime minister and the government on this that are not going to be able to escape from i thought it was interesting to james's point which is is boris a conservative corbyn obviously not with all voters you can see that some voters would prefer boris johnson than rishi sunak but the fact that today rishi sunak tried to differentiate himself from boris johnson and put that distance there shows it is a concern that it is just getting dragged into that and that that is going to turn off um the supporters and Katie, now to tanks. Germany has agreed to ship 14 of its own Leopard tanks and has now given permission for other European countries to give the German-made tanks to Ukraine. How significant is this, do you think? Well, I think it's significant just in the sense that this has clearly been a big blocker when you've had lots of uh, you know Western countries thinking that when it comes to that spring offensive, this is a, probably one of the few chances... N- Perhaps to say to bring this conflict in the end is to go too far, to make significant inroads and boost Ukraine's calls. And without this, I think there is scepticism you, you would get close to doing so. So it helps. Are you going to get to the 300 tanks that uh, Ukraine say they want? I think that that seems still quite unlikely, but it, it clearly paves the way for more. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, James. And thank you very much for listening.